welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. All right, and finally, as we get started, I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Mr. Henry Funka. Every time I think I say it, I'm going to have to ask if I got it right. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. All right. Thanks for being here today, Henry. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. All righty. And Henry is here to talk to us today about his work as a sheet metal worker and the outreach coordinator for the Sheet Metal Workers Local 104 and Bay Area Training Fund. What a mouthful, Henry. There's plenty of things I want to ask to start off with. I think basic question, because I, I'm still not actually quite sure, what exactly is sheet metal? You know, that's a question that's uh, asked quite a bit. And we're probably one of the lesser known trades. Everyone knows what an electrician is, a plumber, a carpenter. As sheet metal workers, we cover a lot of ground and everything. Mainly we deal with uh, uh, heating, ventilating, air conditioning architectural work um, when you see copper roofs uh, any type of sheet metal roofs that's us if you look at the large buildings in san francisco and oakland that have the shiny outside composite metal that's us also we have a technical side but uh, we do service work um, we also do we work with refrigeration and whatnot so we cover quite a bit of ground and uh most people i said have no idea with this you can see that virtual background but that's why I do a lot of presenting where I kind of show videos and explain to people what it is we do. Wonderful. Okay. And so tell us a little bit more about the organization that you're a part of. Okay. So um, I was a sheet metal worker for um, 41 years. I still am a union member. Uh, what I work for is I work for what they call the Bay Area Industry Training Fund. So we're a trust that's in between the union members and our employers who agree to pay the union wages and employ our members. So as a training trust, I work in between. I do, well, a combination of things. So we are responsible for the, let's say, interaction with the college, providing curriculum for our program, and also basically working with our apprentices, or call students, for the five years that they're in the training program to help them get through. What, what are some of the, the processes that the, some of the students might be going through in your program? And how, how does it help uh, prepare them to, to be a sheet metal worker? And I, actually, I guess, what even does that mean? I, in our conversation earlier, it sounded like the, this program could lead students to several, several different career paths. So what are some of the options they have if they go through this program? Okay, to start off, we have uh, basically three career paths. One is a service um, career path where you learn electricity, you learn how to service, maintain, install wire control systems. Because all buildings now are going to automated control systems, which includes our HVAC system. That's one career path. Then we have a testing and balancing part of our, again, another five-year career path, which is more of a technical side. It's more testing, commissioning, which means approving something to meet requirements by the state of California for the energy requirements and also like a quality assurance aspect for the building owner. And then of course, the other part we have, I talked about the 
sheet metal on roofs and whatnot. And we have the construction part, which is where you learn to uh, lay out and fabricate uh, different things related to sheet metal. It could be most of our work is in galvanized, but we also work with copper, stainless steel, lead-coated copper, aluminum. We work with all different types of metals. But those are the three basic career paths that you could choose when you apply and you would come in and do a five-year program. And then after the fact, it branches out into much you know, different things to be a project manager, a detailer, a general foreman, superintendent. Wow. Okay. And and how about for yourself? How how did you find uh, yourself getting into the the sheet metal working business? It was kind of interesting. I hate to say it would be a financial reason, but at one time when I got out of uh, when I I started as was going in my third year of college, I received my drafting certificate. And my intent was to become an architect. Uh, but of course, at that time, uh, family and life happened. And I found it really difficult to be going to school and only working part-time at night. So someone informed me about sheet metal, happened to be a friend of my father's, and talked about what actually caught my interest. I had no idea what sheet metal work was, was their pay rate at the time, which seemed like a lot back in 1970 nine but it was uh something that that initially got me attracted to it and i learned a lot as i started so yeah clearly and it's amazing that now it you found that you've liked it because you've been doing this you said for over 40 years yeah 41 years and what it is is like i said when i first started it it was a basically a hands-on and everyone has to start at the bottom and when i say the bottom everyone has to pay their dues but it's all part of a learning process that as you go through, you see the other opportunities and other different things that you could actually prepare yourself for. I mean, we like to say utilize a lot of technology now. So, I mean, I've been asked before, what would be something good when I do presentations for schools? They ask me, what is it I could prepare for or get experience with? And we pretty much teach you everything you need to know. We have a lot of math in our trade. Uh, we utilize um, Excel programs, Word, Outlook, a computer assisted drafting you could go as much as you want you learn the weld so it, it is quite a bit in our program it's like it's i could spend two hours talking about what we have <laughs> i'll stop it there well it's interesting that we talk about this sort of a trade specifically this is this is a trade that that you're uh helping students try and learn and that you've been able to master yourself so um normally when i ask this sort of i ask a question what type of skills do you have that are that help you do your job successfully. And normally when I ask that, it it's referring to soft skills. Uh, but there are so, so many hard skills that you must have learned throughout your throughout your training, throughout that students might be learning too, throughout the training in your program now. So what what are some of the, the hard skills that that you would learn to help you in this business? A hard skill well backing up a little bit soft skills, we teach you know, we have 30 different courses minimum that would complete it. But we talk about communication skills. That's really critical in every aspect of what we do. And even moving on beyond the say a basic journeyman level, uh, communication skills, uh, just the ability, we talk about conceptual reasoning, to, to be able to figure things out or think around, think outside the box. But back to the hard skills question, I said, everything will be taught to you. So you learn how to use all the related hand tools and the equipment. We have a lot of machinery equipment that is to be used. You learn welding. You can do as little as a minimum welding, or you could keep going on and get as many welding certifications as you want. 
And again, all free training. He also, as I said, working on computers. We work a lot with drawing. Everything now in construction, the days of looking at blueprints are pretty much coming to an end. And people are actually running projects, looking at prints, and they're looking at them instead of unrolling a set of plans, you roll out a four foot by four foot table to computer screen, and everything's got programming on. So hard skills would be, I said, learning welding, uh, learning how to use the equipment and tools we have. And then also, like I said, a lot of math. We do geometric construction, we do trigonometry. We have our own calculator that was uh, built for us by Castle. It has a uh, our own chip in it that has all our related formulas and whatnot. Yeah, the hard skills they said mainly would be using our tools, equipment, and welding, and computers. I want. I'm glad that you mentioned some of the soft skills and especially communication. I, I I hope students you've seen that trend of how important communication will be in your future. So there are classes I imagine then to also help build on the soft skills that you mentioned. Uh, yes, we have that. I said we have a. Like an introductory class, your first 40 hour course will talk about classroom survival skills, how to take tests, how to properly study, prepare for a class, uh, talk about job survival skills and communication definitely. But we, you know, promote, let's say, to get them comfortable and understand all the different aspects of what could happen at a job and how to deal with it. And at the same time, we also give them an idea of who to communicate with. We have uh, an hierarchy here of they could talk to their school coordinator, to a business rep. So they have resources to address any type of issues they may have. Now, what what's what is the the work environment like for an apprentice sheet metal worker? Okay, so initially, most of our work environment, you would be working with crews, especially as an apprentice. You're always going to work with someone who's there to guide you and teach you. And obviously with the intent to the point at one time where you would either be in charge of running other people or working on your own. But if you're working outside, if it's a brand new building, you'll be exposed to the elements, but I would say a construction site, you'd be wearing a hard hat, safety vest, working with your hands, working around cranes, working on ladders, lifts and whatnot. There you see that background behind me. Uh, you could also be working inside the shop. You could be working inside, working on equipment, fabricating items, putting them together. Or you could be working in the office. We have some, a lot of our apprentices getting into detailing, which is working on a computer and designing systems and making them part of the overall, what we call the building model. So we're actually building buildings now in a three-dimensional aspect where it's without even anything being broken out of ground yet. We have a whole picture of the building. It's almost like a virtual reality. You can walk through the building and see everything that you're going to install eventually. Wow, that's incredible. And so how does that environment change as someone progresses through the program, maybe as they're no longer considered an apprentice? What, what, what's different there? Okay, what's different then is now you're considered what they call a journey person, which means you've completed your apprenticeship program. Now you are allowed to work on your own. So rather than be working hand in hand with a journeyman, they might have you doing something else on your own, or they might have an apprentice working with you. And again, at that point as a journey person, it's up to you to decide, would you like to move on? And we do have additional classes at night for performance training, project management, all these other courses. So I would say that it's gone from an aspect of you having to be told what to do, how to do it, and 
kind of being monitored or watched over to now you're on your own and you're capable of working on your own and getting tasks done. Okay. Wow. So there's a huge jump there, which is awesome. And do you have, let's see, a favorite project, something that, that either that you're working on now or just something that you had a, a lot of fun working on sometime in the past? Actually, I have to say it was a long time ago, but we had an exhibit at the National Building Museum in Washington, D.C., which I was uh, given the honor of working on. And uh, it was a basically commemorative structure utilizing all the different metals and different shapes and forms we do. It was about a three-story exhibit. And uh, I worked on that, and that was in the uh, newspaper, the Washington Times, whatnot, and they had a big a documentary on it and that was like to me uh and it was a long time it was back in 1987 and 88 but it was commemorating the 100 year anniversary of the sheet model workers union so but that was something i still have pictures of and i still have the clippings from That's yeah wow <laughs> that's wonderful For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Henry Funke and learning about their career journey to becoming a sheet metal worker with the Sheet Metal Workers Local 104 and Bay Area Training Fund. Now, uh, for our first guest question here, what, what they well, someone is asking, what is the biggest change you've seen in your career over the last 40 years? Oh, that, that's easy to answer is technology. It's almost uh, advanced at the point for us. You can't get away from it. You know, we're utilizing 3D scanning of buildings. And I mentioned earlier about virtual reality, building information modeling. We're using drones to fly around the building and take measurements for us. Everyone is learning how to use a computer to draw on the computer, do computer assisted drafting. We have programs now to run jobs, how to order that internet of things. So we're eliminating the whole process of calling for something, getting a purchase order, finding out where to get it, or the connectivity part of it. That's the biggest change I've seen. There's still the aspect of the hands-on. We are hands-on you know, career, but we also incorporate a lot of technology, and that's been the biggest change I've seen. Yeah, I could imagine, definitely. And are these classes online? Are they mostly in person? And also, how are you managing to to run any of these courses in today's day, times? Okay, actually, we were just I was just talking to the coordinator of the school up here in Fairfield about that. So we have training directors. So we have been doing online courses. So rather than have the kids coming for lecture-based classes, because our courses are 40 hours, you know, eight hours a day during the week, but some of them are all classroom-based. Uh, we have a training program that they can access testing, whatnot, information. It's called Total Track, but for our apprentices, they can access the teacher can give them kind of like a Google Classroom, but has all the built-in tests, assignments, whatnot. But we have been doing, instead of having them come into class, we've been doing that online with the intent of scheduling for the hands-on class once we do the modifications at our schools which like, they're fairly large. So up here, it's about 46,000 square feet and the shop area is huge. So we're looking at separating, you know, benches, maybe bringing in smaller groups. If we do bring in classes instead of 15 to 20, there may only be 10 or 12, mm -hmm. but that's what we're definitely going to be uh, looking at 
the social distance part and also the safety part of it. But we're doing a combination right now of remote training and then also still scheduling people in to do hands-on. That's great that you can still uh, work around and try and help these students keep learning. Now, there's something I forgot to ask you about. You mentioned this a bit before, uh, I think before we started here. The the training program that, that you offer is also, I think you used the phrase, earn while you learn? Uh, yeah, it's, um, again, it's our training, first of all, is paid for by the membership and by the contractors, employers we work for. We all contribute a little bit of money into it, which provides free to our, I'm saying, no tuition, free training. Um, it also, at the time when you're indentured as an apprentice, you start working at the same time. So you actually are working while you're going to school. And as far as going to school, you would be pulled out of your job three times a year for two weeks at a time. You would attend two courses. And during that time, obviously, you wouldn't be working and getting paid, but you would qualify automatically for uh, unemployment because you're attending mandatory union training. And also the union provides you a supplemental amount too. So it's that will help you get through those two weeks of not working. When you're done with your classes, you actually go back to work again. But that is, like I said, we have structured raises. You start working and then you start going to school and provided you pass all your classes with the passing grades required and work X amount of hours, certain amount of hours, you automatically get a raise every six months of 5% of what journeyman's available. Wow, that what an incredible program that is. Seriously, I said it a lot, but it sounds like an amazing opportunity for anyone trying to get into this field. What would you say is some of the biggest misconception or misunderstanding when, uh, when if you were to meet someone new and you mentioned that you're a sheet metal worker? Not so much a misunderstanding. I would say probably a lack of understanding. Usually I get the, what's a sheet metal worker? So, but misconceptions of sheet metal workers and as I say, anyone who's remotely familiar with the trade, at least that aspect of one of the trades, I said there are many out there, is that we bang on sheet metal all day. So uh, that's a little bit of it, but there's a lot more to it, a lot more on the technical side. But yeah, I would say the misconception is that people just kind of picture, like back in the day, we were affectionately known and still known as what they call tin knockers. I mean, from the way sheet metal started, actually had people traveling around and they would hand hammer pots and pans out of copper and whatnot. But yeah, that's probably the misconception that all we do is, you know, work on sheet metal. There's so much more that we do. What are the typical working hours, let's say per week for uh, a journeyman sheet metal worker? Okay. So working hours, start time can vary, but usually it's six o'clock in the morning, sometimes five. So, and depending on the project you work on, I would say six o'clock would be probably more so than let's say uh, five or maybe even later, but you're looking at six o'clock to 2.30. So it is an early start time, but it's also an early finish time. So that's normal working hours or typical. And a work week would be, um, let's say an eight hour day. So you'd be looking at a 40 hour work week. Wow, all right. Did that take any adjustment for you when you were getting started, the, the early mornings? I know if I were to do that tomorrow, it would be difficult. No, it's actually probably taking more time now is to break that, I guess, the biological clock thing, because it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday, my eyes often automatically pop open about 3.34 in the morning. So oh my uh, it did, yeah, it did take initial getting used to, but once you are, you start, it's become something that's not really a problem. It's something that you just do repeatedly. Yeah. 
And so what's your what's your morning routine now? How when you when you get up for for a day of work, what what's the what's the first thing that you do? Okay, as a sheet metal worker, the first thing hopefully I would do would be to get up early enough to allow for traffic time. We have a I have to throw this in. We have a saying because of the uh, high wages we earn that we say, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. So the first thing I would hope that they would do would be just basically wake up a little bit, eat, eat a decent breakfast, get yourself ready for the day psychologically, physically, and hopefully everything else that you needed to prepare was done the previous night too, as far as whether it be getting gas in your vehicle, uh, making a lunch, uh, having your stuff ready. So, but yeah, a typical morning for me was always that I just, I'd like to get up, watch a little bit of news, drink some coffee, and just let myself wake up completely before I headed off to work, give myself an attitude adjustment. Yeah. I love that philosophy. One I'm, I'm actually familiar with. If you're, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. That's big. Definitely. Uh, now here's a, here's a, a fun question or interesting question. I definitely am curious here. How do you know, say, okay, so let me preface this. Um, you, the, you, there's a sheet metal project that needs to be done at, at a specific site. Uh, who are the sheet metal workers that show up? Is it, do you have a group from your organization that show up together to work on this? We work for contractors and nobody is really familiar, but we have different contractors and let's say if there is a project, they get that job. So let's say if you're doing a, a Google job, someone will bid on the HVAC part of it and get that job could be any of the numerous companies we have. Another company might bid all the outside metal or architectural metal. So the people that would be going out to that job would be from the company that uh, received that or was awarded that contract to that job. And so say, say you, your company was awarded this job. What, what is the, the, the process when it comes to actually putting this stuff together? Like what are, are, are you presented with a plan or are you presented with sort of a shell that you then need to fill in? Good question. Really good questions. I like your questions. Uh, but Thanks. definitely the um, the way it works, what I said, is that your company receives a set of plans for the overall building. So we're looking at the entire building itself, you know, the, uh, the structure itself, all the related, what we call MEP or mechanical electrical and plumbing. And from there, it's up to the us as sheet metal workers, because we actually have the largest material that goes above ceiling. You don't see a lot of stuff that's in there, the electrical, the piping, the sprinkler, the IT cables, whatnot. And conversely, our ductwork is above the ceiling. So from that point on, we get the plans and it's up to us to what we call detail and then coordinate and work with the other trades to see how we're going to make this all fit. So we do actually have what we call a design part of it. So the company could either you could have an outside mechanical engineer design our system and we install it as he designed it. Or a lot of our shops have their own built in what they call the do design build. They give us basically the building say, hey, figure out how we're going to get enough air, cool it, humidify it, whatnot. And so and that's the way it works with that. Is, is that, I, I'm just trying to think of how diff, what the scale of difficulty in, in that specific step sounds like it can be pretty enormous sometimes. Oh, I can. If you're doing like a hospital job or so, I mean, the pre-planning, uh, what we talk about kickoff meetings, there's, there could be a year, year and a half of pre-planning before you even break ground on the job. 
So depending on the size of the project, you know, high-rise building, there's a lot of pre-planning. It starts off initially in the design process with all the professionals from the architect to the structural engineer, electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer, and that's all worked together. So that's a process in itself. And then after that's kind of resolved, and it's not 100%, but then it gets turned over to the individual contractors who will be doing the job. And they take it from there and start what they call coordinating the work between themselves and coordinating themselves. So it, it is a process. You're correct on that. It's definitely a process. Yeah, it's in depth. I, I can't imagine how complex a team you've got to have to to make some of this stuff work. So what what would you say is the average salary of a, a uh, the, your average journeyman sheet metal worker? Okay, depending on how much you want to work, the average would be, I'm thinking, depending on hours, if you work 1600 hours a year, we always figure that you want to take vacation time, you know, sick time. Because one thing about trade unions is that it's eight for eight. If you don't work, you don't get paid. So holidays, we don't get paid uh, if we're sick, if we take vacation time. We have provisions for that, though. We have what we call vacation funds that we put money aside for situations like that. But I would say a sheet metal worker working a good year of about 17, 1800 hours will probably be at $65 an hour. I mean, you're looking at probably, you know, close to or just a little bit over 100,000 a year. Which so. is great. And that's that's an average salary. Yeah. And that's, again, um, without, and I always tell everyone I present the same thing, it's, it's not a given that you go through the program and this is what you'll do. It's all going to be about how you apply yourself during the time, especially in training and while you're learning. So the sky's the limit as far as where you can go. And again, it depends on your, you know, whatever you decide to invest in. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're in our last minute or so here. So do you have any, any outgoing advice that you'd like to leave our students off with and any future listeners that might come across this episode? Okay, well, here's I do my little promotion. We have a pretty extensive training website. And if you want to write this down or you can uh, look, search for it, but it's smw104training.org. And if you want to get a good insight into our trade, the application process, uh, what we do and whatnot, there's videos, there's testimonials. There's, you could spend hours going through that, but that's something good to look at. And you can also at that time apply right there online. And once you apply and you submit it, they'll get right back to you with your next steps. But there's definitely a contact button up on the upper ribbon on the right. If you have a question, you're not sure about what you want to select or what the process would be, um, go ahead and make a contact. But they send you information as you go through. So that's a good website if you're interested in the Sheet Metal Workers Program. Of course, I'm biased. I would say, yes, that's what you want to do. But also, uh, I would say that you could also go to calapprenticeships.org. State of California, huge amount of apprentice resources. And you can get contact information for electricians union apprenticeship program, uh, plumbers, a local three operating engineers, elevators, iron workers. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up and then also say if it's something you're looking for, it does become a career. The soft and hard skills you learn are something that you're going to use until the day you retire, which for us happened to be 55. And we have pretty extensive uh, pension plans that make us even comfortably retired at 55. 
All right. Thank you so much again for being on today, Henry. I've had a wonderful conversation with you, and I'm excited moving forward to put this on the air. Okay. Well, thank you, Jake. And thank you, everyone else, for attending. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Henry Funke, who is a sheet metal worker for the Sheet Metal Workers Local 104 and Bay Area Training Fund. should also note that Henry is the outreach coordinator for this wonderful program as well. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, stream online at ksqd.org, or visit our website yfiob.org for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.